What does the lining of jelly achieve in a pork pie? Mm. It doesn't well, bring I... anything to it, does it? True. Well, I'm not sure, actually, really. Because it's almost like the fat on a piece of meat, people would say that the fat is actually the flavour. And I, uh, I did have a pie the other day that was like butternut squash. It was like trying to recreate a pork pie and they re- and they still had jelly around it and I did think whoa I don't know why the jelly is there and I never have but there's something that's so important about it <laughs> for listeners Joe's looked like he went to heaven there he had his eyes closed trying to trying to recreate the experience of eating this pork pie vegan pork mm. pie mmm yeah. <laughs> okay, let's get to it, Ellen. Okay. Because <laughs> okay. we will get stuck and we will become jellyfied. We will be stuck in a real jelly. <laughs> Explore the stories of the week with me, Jokes. And me, Eleanor. As we take a journey into the dirty and sometimes quirky world of the internet comments section. We're going from relying on professional journalists to looking at the grassroots of commentary to get an uncensored perspective on what the public really thinks. How has your week been? Tell me. It's been good. Um... Well, I guess there's only been one other day. <laughs> As what? in whole week. Since oh, we, yeah. Since the last time our listeners heard us. Yes. So I have returned to London, as has Eleanor. And I think that the pace of life has really quite suddenly picked up. And a lot of things feel like they're happening, probably partly because previously it really felt the opposite so it is exciting and intriguing the other day i went to hoxton high street which featured in a documentary film that i really recommend to everyone called the street and it's all about the gentrification of the area and it follows people who are kind of like the locals and people who are moving in and it's so brilliantly done and it focuses on hoxton high street as in hoxton market I think it might be Hoxton Market. It's just a small street that's sort of like a contained high street. And I Has went it got there. an Iceland on it? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, it's Hoxton Market. That's the one okay. that I live near. Yeah, okay, I my location so, away. <laughs> well, that's where I was. And I. it was so interesting because I saw businesses that had disappeared and had become other things. And it was just so interesting. And it felt like being on a movie set because I've only seen it on this documentary and it has a traditional pie and eel shop. And I had never heard of this London pie with, they never say the G word, they say that is northern. They say that they only have parsley liquor on oh. the pie with mash and jellied eels. Jellied eels, I mean, that is something out of nightmares, jellied eels. Mmm. Uh, but I'm intrigued I, I've got to say I'm intrigued because he spoke about it so passionately that it made me want it eels eels the pie the liquor Ooh, I'm, oh I'm not sold I think eels for me if someone was to say what's your least favourite living organism in the world it would be an eel like the thought <laughs> of an eel repulses me like the idea that they live in water repulses me. I, I just hate them so <laughs> the much. The idea they live in water. Like, have you ever Googled an eel? They're just so ugly. Like, they make me feel physically so sick. And I watched this film once called The Cure for Wellness with, I think it was James McAvoy. Hmm. Let me search. And in the film, they used to, like, they shoved eels down people's throats and it was really traumatising. Um, Blimey. And... I just think they're so ugly. Is it James McAvoy? Sorry, it's not James McAvoy at all. Um, Celia Imrie and Jason Isaacs are in it. Um, mm. It's a really creepy film if anyone out there has also seen it. 
Um, but anyway, the whole thing about the cure for wellness is about these eels in the water and how it's like meant to cure you, but actually it makes everyone really ill. Um, and now I think I have a bit of a complex about eels, hence <laughs> my reaction. There is a place, you know, in London called Eel Pie Island. It's okay. And I think I just, it's near Canary I, Wharf. I'm just trying to sort of digest your complex <laughs> feelings around eels, because initially it seemed like you had sort of born these ideas from the fact they lived in water, but also <laughs> the fact that they looked weird. But now James McAvoy's come into the situation. <laughs> now, I, I would say, Eleanor, you've got to be careful with eels because my family have a very romantic, um, long relationship to the eel community in Dorset. <laughs> my grandma used to feed the eels that went past their house in a small village called Broadway. And apparently they're very kind. And apparently they were very useful for ecological reasons um, and poachers used to violently attack these eels and take them home and do whatever they did, maybe pie and eels. Um, oh. But that's not very Dorset, that's more London. So I don't know what, but eels? I think there's another side to eels. I really don't think there is. If that side is dead, then I'm there. That sounds so mean. I'm not for the cruelty of animals, apart from eels. Only if they're dead. <laughs> um, jellied, though? What if jelly, they're jellied? Like, uh, like, uh, can you imagine? It's like, why, why would putting something in jelly make it good? What, what does something achieve from being in jelly? So... I'm going to start with a Facebook comment. So this is from Andy Springthorpe. And he says, What's wrong with first come, first served, and only one per household? Now I'm going to read also the replies to this comment, because Chris James replies and Andy Springthorpe actually replies to his own comment first. And he says... For clarity, I meant that as in you sign up now, you enter a queue. When it comes in stock, it's offered to whomever signed up the soonest. Chris James responds, maybe they anticipate that someone might use bots to auto enter multiple times at once. And Andy Springthorpe replies again saying, but to multiple home addresses? Sounds like it would be a deterrent. Not to mention all of the security checks arising from billing and delivery addresses not matching up on a new account. Hmm. So my first thought with this, and it's definitely wrong, but it, it popped to mind first, is uh, the census. Mm. Um, but then I thought, why would people be wanting more than one census per mm. household? It doesn't quite make sense. Um... Mm. Do people have it delivered anymore? Is that I a think, thing? I think you can request it delivered. I mean, I think you yeah. mo- they encourage you filling it out online, don't you? But I think you can actually specially request if you don't have access to internet or the dial-up. Mm. <laughs> then, um, then you can request a paper copy. Uh, but I'm going to guess it's not the census. And then the second thing that sprung to mind was the vaccine. Um, mm. And people ordering, people signing up. For the vaccine and it being a first come first serve um but then what really got to me was the billing so i think this story is netflix decision to uh change how many people can access each netflix account well i would say that's a really good guess and i have actually recognized that you're really usually good at the facebook questions but unfortunately you have got this wrong oh no so this was actually the news that in the uk playstation 5s have sold out completely and curry's has basically set up a lottery system (laughs) for playstation 5 so you sign up for a ticket and then when they're back in stock you might or might not be able to get it with this ticket 
Is this the level of news we're going for this week? <laughs> yeah. Well, it's quite... I would say that this is really actually reminiscent of the Wii, the Nintendo Wii. Do you remember all of that? I do remember the Wii, but I don't think people were quite signing up at Curry's for the, for the first release, were they? Well, I remember they were sold out for ages because I still remember the feeling of being desperate to have it. Everyone went crazy for the Wii and they're going crazy for this. The PlayStation 5, not going to lie. I don't know much about the PlayStation or, um, in fact, its appeal, but I know it does appeal to many. But is there is there worries about shortages? Is that why people are asking to sign up for this list? No, it's because they want it. It's, it's just, just because they, they want, want it. it. So they will so get it sold. at some point. They will get it at some point, but they're just so desperate. They want to be um, like, oh, that, I am the 10th person in the UK to receive the PlayStation 5. I don't think it's a uh, status thing anymore. I think the people wanting them now just really want them. So they're going through this quite almost dystopian lottery system. It reminds me a bit of, and apart from you don't have to pay for it, but Amazon Prime. Like we've all got sucked into this thing of paying for the right to pay. Yeah. And it's like... The other day I saw that they've opened the first Amazon Fresh supermarket. Yes, Ealing. Yeah, and I actually really want to go there. I <laughs> really be really there? Yeah, let's let's please do that. I would love to do that. And um apparently you walk in and just walk out with items. Yeah. But you have to be a prime member. So I was gonna use my dad's account and he would like it because I think he would be quite intrigued to see the future. <laughs> or hear the future down the phone I've done it and it was it happened I walked out without paying supposedly I think I have held quite a disparaging view actually in the past probably wrongly so of I just didn't really have time and I don't think I really understood people who really spent a lot of time on games and playstations and xboxes etc and I think I did just fall into that category of not really understanding. But I think I've now actually, since the pandemic, changed my opinion on that. Not that I really engage in in playing it myself. I've read quite a few articles and heard quite a lot of people talk about the power of communication and how a lot of these platforms actually do create communities. They've really helped people through the pandemic. Especially mm. a lot of teenage boys or not even teenage boys, other people as well, but I'm just using that as a general group, who perhaps haven't been able to get out and see friends, or, you know, we've not not even haven't been able to, as in, like, we're not allowed to see friends. And this has been a way for them to maintain relationships, re- maintain social contact, maintain, you know, talking, because you talk through a headset, don't you, as if you're, like, virtually there. Mm. Like, they were Zooming before Zoom. Mm. And that's really helped, you know, these people maintain lines of communication in a really isolating times. I think my attitude has really switched during the pandemic. Whether it will, I will maintain these high levels of, oh, it's a good thing, you know, when we're able to return to a life that isn't so isolated, I don't know. But mm. I think definitely during the pandemic, maybe PlayStations have been a lifeline for many. Absolutely. And it's probably also that feeling of escapism because you're in a completely different world in some of these games and yeah you have a lot of control you can travel find new things yeah i agree better than wees imagine being stuck at your home during lockdown with only me's for company i don't know if you remember me now that now i'm not sure if that would be good for mental health so i think apart from the wee yeah So my first comment, newspaper website, in reply to an article, and the commenter is called Enoch Bathauer. It's quite a short comment, and Enoch simply says, or replies to this article, great to finally hear the guests. They actually have some good points. Interesting. This makes me think that it's about a television show where a very egocentric presenter has been replaced by someone who is a little softer. I think you are on the money. Yes, it is referring to um, 
Good Morning Britain, Lee's oh. main anchor man, Piers Morgan. That is what you were referring to, right? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Wait, that is what you were referring to? Yeah, of course it was. <laughs> um, yes, so Piers Morgan, last Tuesday, I want to say, mm. walked out of mid-show, walked out of Good Morning Britain in a rage after weather the weather presenter Alex Beresford mm. um and him had a sort of a dispute over Meghan Markle's interview with Oprah the which had aired on UK TV on the Monday night where Meghan had said that, uh, had said that she'd felt suicidal at times and claimed that members of the royal family uh had uh essentially uh, been racist mm. um, or engaged in, in racist words or uh, yeah words that really offended Megan um, about the colour of her baby's skin and Piers basically came on the airwaves the next morning and said it was all rubbish and he didn't believe her and they got into an altercation and Piers left the show and then subsequently quit Good Morning Britain for the foreseeable mm. because he didn't want to apologise for the comments he made but he did really go in hard for Megan. So that is what it's referring to. Any idea on the paper that was written? Um, oh, it's quite a banal comment, really. It is quite a banal, but it's in support of Good Morning Britain. That actually doesn't quite help. I feel like this might just be a guessing game. What do you mean, in support of their decision? Well, if they say, to... great to finally hear the guests. So it's in support oh, okay. of Piers leaving. I would say the mirror. You are correct. It is the mirror. Anna. Oh yes. <laughs> the headline is "Good Morning Britain" leaves three hundred thousand viewers after Piers Morgan walks. Do you know why I think the mirror is because I could imagine mirror readership would be more towards Good Morning Britain than BBC Breakfast, but also would prefer it without, without just Piers. the shoutiness. Yes, I think I agree. Um, <clears throat> and every time I have watched Good Morning Britain, it is true can't ever hear the guests it's just Piers short mm. shouting so um i do agree with enoch it would be great to finally hear the guests mm. um but whether you need someone like Piers to and maybe the reason they had so many viewers because i think good morning britons were definitely beating bbc breakfast in the ratings i think it did once it, it only did once. beat them once and oh, it was okay. his last day oh yeah. I think the reason they picked up so many more viewers with Piers heading it though is because of the the allure of Piers and what's he going to say today and mm. and maybe that was what attracted a lot of people to the show so who knows what it will be like without that sort of divisive figure fronting it. True. And it, with his like kind of obsession with Meghan Markle I think as we know it was also partly down to the fact they had some kind of friendship and yeah. it broke down. Because actually I did think when he left, some of the people that would be happiest about this will be people who are ministers or they are in the cabinet. I think they will be quite happy to see the back of Piers Morgan from mainstream morning television, which has come in recent years to sort of set the agenda of it. And... Yeah, I think there is kind of... It depends who he's replaced by. Because if it's some, like, sort of bumbling person like Richard Maidley, then you just think, like... They're just trying to get, like, a Alan partridge type. You do need someone who can... Whoever it is. I mean, actually, if it's... Uh, um, whoever it is, maybe they'll pick two women, actually. Who knows? Yeah, might be Might be quite a good move, to be honest. Have you seen the show The Morning Show? Yeah, I didn't actually like that series. Did you I, not? I watched one episode and thought this is... So... I, would have, I would have given it a go. I watched it quite recently and it is kind of not... Not in terms of the events that le- led Piers to leave, but in terms of the... I don't know, the leaving Susanna by herself and the sort True. of... yeah. The sort of media coverage around it. It's quite similar to The Morning Show. Um and they I, had two women front it in the yeah, end. Yeah, I was going to say, doesn't Reese Witherspoon yeah, end up being with like, Jennifer yeah. Aniston? Yeah, um, and Ranveer so yeah. Singh, I think, actually replaced him the day yes. after. So everyone was a bit like, "This is like 
The Morning Show. The Morning Show. I would recommend <laughs> you go back to that. Okay. Well, I did actually cancel my... Because you get a free Apple TV month or something, and I cancelled yeah. it. But maybe one day, or somehow, <laughs> if I have access to that. But yeah, whoever replaces him, I hope they do have the ability to properly scrutinise, especially the government, who I think do, partly because of their own, like, very hard line, we're not going to appear on this, we're going to appear on that, like, news night or Channel 4 News, where they just seem to stop appearing for a very long time. Yeah. Hopefully it's someone who has that platform and can really hold them to account. Hopefully. Hopefully. Because objectively, I do think he managed to do that in his particular style. But then there was a lot of problems. Sorry. (laughs) Sorry. You know when you click something on your laptop and Siri just came up and blocked you off so I couldn't hear what you were saying? (laughs) Right. Well, it's probably quite good. So this is in response to an official video that's been posted from a blue tick account and the tweet says the question remains did he know what he signed oh the question remains did he know what he signed so it's a video of someone signing something i don't know if i can tell you what the video is can i i no, <laughs> we I think need that to would probably be giving. <laughs> we really do. It's getting to the point where <laughs> we need. Did he know what he signed? Well, that's so ominous. Mm. Did he know what he signed? So someone was signing something this week. What I would say, I might give you a hint. Okay. And this might. I think. Look at what the question is and think about how that may have actually been posed. Sorry, that's like a really annoying riddle. Sorry, maybe just... You've just complicated it further. Did he... The question is... Did he know what he signed? The question remains... The question remains... Did he know what he signed? Oh, I think even with that ominous clue i'm gonna need another clue i can't decide if i'm bad at these or you just pick really ominous comments yeah i don't actually know okay i'll give you another tweet in the chain okay kira says yes he can read so Uh... this was the signing of some major thing in the week that has just been that's also another clue. That's probably the best clue <laughs> out of some very abstract clues. Is it the signing of... Is it something Joe Biden signed this week? Uh, yes, it is. It is, and I'm trying to remember what he signed this week. Did he sign... Was it the nuclear arrangement? No, unfortunately not. What was what was that? I don't know. Maybe that's okay. just the default thing. I don't know. They ran nuclear deal. The nuclear deal. arrangement. Breaking news: the nuclear arrangement has been signed. I don't know what Joe Biden signed this week, unfortunately. So you'll have to tell me. So it was the American Rescue Plan. It was the humongous bailout post-COVID for. Um, I guess you could just say the US society. I don't really mm-hmm. know how else to put it. But yeah, it's one of the largest of its kind in history, I think would be fair to say. Okay. And, and it what... narrowly passed the Senate and he finally signed it as president on Friday. And is this the one that provides Americans with, is it $2,000 each? Yeah. Is that the same one? I think it's going to, it's going to be lifting a huge number of people out of poverty especially children it is really impressive and it is quite unimaginable and it does fly in the face of the previous administration who spent i think 0.2 trillion whatever less which shows the size of it but on tax cuts for corporations 
So it does show a huge shift Change. in the US. In the, I think we're already starting to see the impacts, the, yeah, the impact of a new administration, mm. both in foreign and domestic policy. Yeah, for sure. Um, and it, what's interesting is it has huge support among the US population. And I think it has 40% or more support among Republican voters. So it's one of the first issues as well that is so major that is actually bipartisan. But what's interesting is not one single Republican in Congress voted for it. That is interesting. Um, yeah. And yet it, regain, it gained the support of many voters. Mm. I mean, if you were a voter, though, would you turn down the op would you oppose the option to receive if you were a struggling republican would you turn down the option to receive two thousand dollars of covid relief well i think people are saying like this is why this is like almost the first proper move away from the reaganomics of the 80s it's because a lot of people that he and that kind of view on the economy divided and ruled among or like kind of divided where the fact that some people would receive it and you wouldn't but now a lot of people are struggling so people have a different attitude to government help for citizens yeah so yeah interesting development <laughs> interesting development and one that didn't involve nuclear signings <laughs> no. yeah well, yeah I don't know where let's, I got that let's from. hope let's hope or let's not hope regarding <laughs> on what that means that it happens soon <laughs> Some, I'm sure there's some. I feel like I'm very ignorant now, but I'm sure there's. There no, was... that happened in the. I mean, there's that's that is something with Trident, isn't it? They they lifted the cap on Trident. Maybe that's what. You, maybe that's. No, what I think it was the negotiations of the military, the nuclear powers, the nuclear deal with Iran. Okay. Yeah. But I think that maybe was a few weeks ago. I don't know. I'm getting very confused with the weeks. And I'm finding domestic news hard enough to keep up with. That's a very ignorant thing to say. Well, the weeks are merging into one. I mean, that is a universal view. So. Yes. I am going to go on to my second comment, which comes this week from a response to an article shared on Facebook. So this is a Facebook comment. Okay. Farzana comments, this comes as a massive surprise to dot dot dot, no woman anywhere on the planet. And those gaps were full stops. Mm. Is it the Metropolitan Police response to the Clapham Common visual, vigil <laughs> for Sarah Everard? This, I mean... It, I feel like it's been such a week for women that it, it could have definitely come in response to that, but mm. it, it actually wasn't. This was in response to the Guardian article, which got the exclusive on uh, the UN Women Report that said that 97% of 18 to 24-year-olds had experienced some sort... 18 to 24-year-old women had experienced some sort of sexual harassment in their lifetime. Um, mm. and that I, as I said it was such a week for women because you had I feel like at the start of the week we had um, the conversations about the treatment of Megan as a woman mm. and then we had International Women's Day and then we had obviously the devastating case of Sarah Everard and everything that's that that brought up and brought up with everyone and issues around female safety and uh harassment and everything that goes with that and then we had mother's day so i feel like it was a mm. we've never commented there's been uh, no other week where women have had so much comment um either about mm. them or from them i think um but yes you could have equally have been right with the uh, the policing of the Clapham Common vigil for Sarah Everard, but this uh, this specific comment comes in response to yeah the Guardian article, which claimed that not claimed that said that reports the UN that the UN found ninety seven percent of eighteen to twenty four year old women had mm. sadly experienced some sort of sexual harassment, which I think is shocking. And as for mm. a, 
uh, Fazana says, there's no surprise to any women. Mm. Do you think all of this coming together means that it's actually going to bring about a change in the public consciousness? I think I've had a, a, actually a tough week thinking about that question and a tough week in visualising what I think will happen now and also taking in what's happened and the movement that's happened this past week as, as well as the the event that happened. And I think it's really hard. I, I'm someone who finds things of big momentous scale really hard to process and I find the words really hard to find and it takes me a while to process my emotions that I feel and understand what I feel and form an opinion on what I feel Mm. so I found it actually a really overwhelming week so I'm not I mean I would really hope that this does spark does spark at least conversations but I think maybe we're actually I think we're past the point of conversations like I I don't want people to have been conversations women want to be able to walk (laughs) walk Mm. down the road and not and feel safe and that needs to go beyond a conversation but maybe we still are at the fundamental stage of still needing to keep it in the public eye to make these changes happen so conversations are needed to make changes happen Mm. sorry I'm not articulating this very well again as I say it's really hard I found it a really hard week for and I've told you I've when we were discussing this, the logistics of this episode, we did bring it up that it's it's a really mm. complex issue to talk about and to to do it justice and to get right. And I think it's there's no shame in saying that it's really hard to find the right words to express how we all feel now and to express what this means for women and men as well because this is an issue that fundamentally does involve men. Mm. And... I think there's no shame in saying it's really hard to verbalise what we feel. And sometimes, I, I think sometimes there's a lot of pressure on people to say something straight away and to form an opinion and have a really strong response. But I think for some people mm. like me, it does take a while to process something and understand how it is I feel. And I think that's maybe what's caused an overwhelming week. So I feel mm. like I'm waffling now. <laughs> no, I think that's... Do you think that is also something that is like taken on board in terms of like the Twitter discourse in particular? No, I don't. I don't think. I don't think there is. T- and I understand it from both points of view. Like I don't think there is time to sit there and think because we're in the moment and change get change happens through collective action and collective ha- action happens after an event. Right, most events like. Take, for example, the Arab Spring. People didn't just sit on their emotions for ages and think it through, did they? They acted from a from a spark, mm. and that's how revolutions happen. I think if change is to happen, then we do need to act in a collective manner and quite swiftly. But then again, shouldn't this have happened ages ago? Why is it right now? Why is it just now? Mm. Why people were having... I was speaking to my mum, she was like, people were having these conversations in the 70s with Peter Sutcliffe. Like, why is it... Why is it now we need to be having those conversations? Um, but sorry, to go back to the original point, I don't think there is space for telling people you need to sit with your emotion. You can, you are allowed to not comment on something or not necessarily not comment, but you are allowed to take in for a second everything that's going on and maybe understand how you feel yourself before you then and go and put an infographic out or shout about everything. And it's so okay, and I really love the women who do that because they obviously feel something. I just think for some women, like myself included, it's really hard to verbalise exactly how you feel. And I think there isn't a space for those for for us. And it's not like I sometimes... I feel like there's a worry of being cancelled or a worry of, oh, this person doesn't care. But sometimes it's about taking the time to to figure out how you feel inside. And commenting on it eventually, and addressing it eventually, and I've addressed it to my friends, it's just, language is harder for some people than others, and I'm definitely one of those people who finds picking the right words in language hard. Well, I think that is a very important point, in the era especially of social media. Yeah. Um, I do think, I did find something interesting. I did enjoy, well not... That is completely the wrong word, enjoy. I did find useful lots of infographics posted on uh, social media in the past week. And one I particularly 
it's not an infographic as such, but it was a somebody who had found this section in a book and the chapter was Stay Sexy and Don't Get Murdered. And this is a what a uh, a TED talker, a researcher in the US called Jason Katz has said in his TED talk, violence against women, it's a men's issue. So I'm just going to read it out because I think it's really, mm. this is my favourite my favorite one of my my i think the most useful things that was going around um in the past week we talk about how many women were raped last year not about how many men raped women we talk about how many girls in a school district were harassed last year not about how many boys harassed girls we talk about how many teenage girls got pregnant in the state of vermont last year rather than how many men and teenage boys got girls pregnant so you can see how the use of this passive voice has a political effect it shifts the focus off men and boys and onto girls and women. And the term violence against women is problematic. It is a passive construction. There's no active agent in this sentence. It's a bad thing that happens to a woman. It's a bad thing that happens to a woman. But when you look at the term violence against women, no one is doing it to them. It just happens. Men aren't even part of it. Which I think is a really, really interesting conversation and how we, how I was saying, I was finding the the words hard to, the words hard to construct how I feel. I feel like a lot of the language and words used around harassment and violence against, again, definitely not the phrase to use violence against women. We don't cons- we don't use a uh, we don't use language that f- puts men in the frame. It's mm. always framed as something that happens to women, and I think if there's a anything to take away well there's lots more to take away but one of the main things to take away i think is this is how we speak about women who have unfortunately been victims of sexual harassment and violence and putting them as a and not framing them as someone who's had something done to them i think it would be better if we all changed our language to you know acknowledge that men are the perpetrators there yeah i think that is a really good point and one which is definitely not spoken about enough how have you found the past week sorry i've realized i've been not articulating myself very well no i think that was very good i think that was really well articulated actually because what i've seen on twitter like i started to think and i mean obviously twitter i mean shouldn't spend too much time on Twitter because you just lose touch of actually reality I guess but it's more this kind of this anger that's coming from some women and then men join in saying that they're they're focusing too specifically on Sarah Everard's murder and saying oh this is so rare people need to basically not overreact and don't um start leading this to other questions and like bigger questions and I know Davina McCool tweeted this I did see that but then and then and just like what you're saying it is not really a conversation about the specifics of what has happened because we don't actually know it is the reality that this does happen and it does happen a lot and in other situations and not to this yeah to different scales and severities and yeah, I just thought that the Twitter conversation was kind of missing the point because people were just looking at this in different scales, if you know what I mean. And so it was like, what is this? I think that is part of the part of the problem. Maybe for most people, whatever whatever perspective you've taken on this whole issue, issue, it's not an issue, this whole event, mm. um, is it's sort of a... Com- it's conglomerated, the word, it's sort of group together lots of issues it's whether we want to look at them through the same lens or actually some of them are different issues aren't they i was speaking to someone earlier about this and the fundamental thing is they're all wrong and something needs to change but it's whether we want to look at them through a singular lens and do we group all these these problems together like catcalling is obviously very different to the murder of a woman and i don't know quite know what I'm trying to say here maybe that's the point is we all know that something needs to change but it feels like the problem is so big and the severity is so big now we don't know how to break it down into into smaller more manageable steps and I'm wondering if that's just something we've become 
if we just expect nothing to change, and maybe that's why I feel so deflated about the whole situation, it's the fact that we can, all these infographics and people speaking up and people getting on board with um, wanting to see change. What, I just have little faith that anything will change. Like it, the fact that the government will put some more street lamps out and some undercover police officers and bars is not going to stop me thinking twice when you're walking on the same side of the road as someone. Mm. So you just don't, it's not, it's like you don't believe anything will change. And that then feeds into this trickiness of then separating out, separating out the issues. I don't know quite what I'm trying to say here. <laughs> I think that's such a good point, actually, about the separation of these issues and the fact it is such a major it's just not something that's been tackled so it's quite difficult to separate it all i think that is such a good point if i understood you correctly yeah yeah i think it's the fact that because these are really different nuanced issues but because we all just see it through the same lens because we can only see one way of sorting it out Mm. it is just easy to lump it all together and then that's how you get collective action right Mm. um because there isn't enough I feel like if we broke it down into smaller things people wouldn't get the manpower behind it to get things changed and that's just my opinion that's probably it's probably many different views to this it's a very complex issue and I think we all need to remember it's a really really complex issue Mm. maybe that's where Twitter actually becomes more of a hindrance trying to simplify trying the, the platform trying to simplify stuff like that definitely Definitely, and I don't think you can simplify, and I don't think you can put words to a lot of things. I think that's the thing I've, I'm coming to learn, and I'm definitely learning about myself. I'm, I can't speak for anyone else, but I find language sometimes just can't match what you can't match the words in your head and how mm. you feel about something, and it can't. Some language can't provide the answer to things sometimes. And that's what I'm, I'm coming to realise about my own, how my own head and body works. And definitely with regards to Twitter, I don't think you can sometimes. Twitter or Instagram or Facebook or the comments sections, I don't think you can, you know, reduce this whole situation to a, a, a tweet or a infographic mm. or a Instagram comment at this moment. Mm. But that's just me. <laughs> That is definitely, but it's also a thing of its time, isn't it? In the sense that it's so extreme because everyone, it's quite, as we saw with the Clapham Common situation, legally, or the response of the police, and even like with that being so over the top in terms of how other things have been dealt with and questions why, but the fact that most people are staying at home and then just interacting with infographics and social media to try and understand these issues could exacerbate what that problem do you think that like what you're saying yeah i do and i think yeah i think i would have felt better being able to do something in action go to a protest Mm. would solve a lot of the problems of feeling like they people have to resort to online activism which is and i'm not in any way disparaging online activism it's what a lot of people feel comfortable doing. It does it does work and it does get people talking and we are living in more difficult times with regards to health, etc. But I feel like if... I, I, would, I think I personally would have felt better if I was able to legally have been allowed to go to a protest at the mm. weekend. And that wasn't possible. I know, I know, pro, I know vigils did take place. Um, their success... Oh, the, the the policing of them with a whole is a whole different kettle of fish. But um, mm. I think, yeah, you're right. People do feel like they have to resort to putting things in a tweet because it's not possible to go out now. Mm. It's not possible to show your activism in any other way, or people mm. don't think it's possible to show your activism in any other way. And I'm not saying there is that there's an answer there because it, we are living in really tricky times my follow-up to this just like not giving this conversation just (laughs) (laughs) i feel like that's i feel like between me waffling we've we've done we've covered um 
I think that was. So. I think what you said was really important, actually. Mm-hmm. Something mm-hmm. that even no, but you don't think you can verbalise it properly. But it's not something that's actually usually verbalised at all because people do become too. They can't look at a situation in its entirety and all the interlinking factors. And I think you just did that very well. Okay. And you'll see what I mean by not giving that conversation justice with the upcoming subject. <laughs> the last Duke of Tayback. Tayback. This is a a comment on a newspaper website. This is newspaper, yeah. So the last Duke of Tayback says, "Good, that'll upset the woke keyboard warriors." Full stop. <laughs> okay, I've definitely decided that I'm not a bad guesser. You just pick comments that could relate really? to anything. <laughs> okay, okay, okay. Um, okay, I could give you a follow-up service so far this time around, has been faultless. If they feel they deserve better conditions or pay, I'd support it, provided business takes up most of the slack. Oh, these are so hard, Jace. <laughs> Either they're so hard or I've been rubbish at the news this week. Um, so it's something to do with... Maybe it's the mystique that's added by these abstract comments make it more exciting <laughs> to find out what they're all about. Keep me in suspense. Um... If you're finding it really tricky, I can give you one more. I think I'm going to have to play that card, yes. The three comment cards. I'm sorry. Officially in the constitution of comment people. <laughs> uh, okay, so... I think telephones and broadband failing would be the least of our worries, given the reliance we have developed on technology. Which seems a contradiction in itself, but... Um. <laughs> okay, so I'm guessing this is something to do with telecommunications. Yeah. And... <laughs> is it that Elon Musk is going to create a new type of broadband no but i did see that the satellite broadband yes yes oh so it's not that it's like sky on map like big time satellite dish yeah style or something apparently you have to pay to join the waitlist for that just an aside there god there's a lot of this going on isn't there paying for the right to pay yeah um and you might not even get it even if you're on the waitlist. So you might like pay X amount. I think it's like £500 to join the waitlist. Um, completely made up £500 there. I don't know. Viewer, <laughs> you, listener, you'll have to giggle your own, however much it is. Um, but you um, have to pay to join the waitlist and you might not even get selected for the trial. That is crazy. I think the Musk bubble will will burst. I think it will. It's on, <laughs> on route. Um, so I think I am going to give you the answer of I don't know for the third time today. <laughs> okay, well, let's see. So this is... So the headline says, BT strike may have massive impact on your home broadband union wars. So this is the apparent upcoming strike among BT staff. That is a result of, I think, it is cuts to pay and conditions. And, of course, this could be a huge concern because everyone or lots of people are reliant on the internet. Indeed. Services such as what BT uh, supplies because of lockdown. So, yes, this is a communication workers' union potential planned strike. Um, and they represent 45,000 BT staff. And why is it they are striking, exactly? It's planned job cuts and site closures. Okay. So, and the ballot will provide will cover workers at BT, EE and Openreach, which shows oh. the immense power that BT have, because they recently bought, or a year or two or three ago, bought EE, which I think is the oh, biggest wow. mobile provider. So, Did Kevin, yeah, it could be major. Kevin Bacon tell you that? 
Kevin Bacon, yeah. <laughs> Kevin Bacon, is he going on strike? That is the big question. <laughs> I want to see him on my advert break going, I'm going on strike. That was a terrible yeah. accent. <laughs> I'm going on strike. Join what? me. <laughs> he would be the least inspirational union rep. I find him so dull. I'm not, I can't remember the last film I saw him in, but he's a... He isn't man. a man that could lead a crowd. So what newspaper? Because I think that is potentially easier given one of the comments in particular. I think, given the hatred of woke liberals, it is coming from a right-wing tabloid, which is nearly all tabloids. And I think it is the Mail. You're wrong. It's the Daily Express. Oh. I had a one in. <laughs> I had a one in oh, many chances. Damn it! <laughs> damn it! Should have got. I feel like I should know what a may an express comment sounds like now. Although I don't believe that the express run any of the stories apart from royal family stories. <laughs> so mm. I find it hard to believe they're commenting on anything other than True. the royal family. Okay then, Eleanor. What is your my story? final comment? My final comment comes from Twitter. Mm. This tweet comes in reply to uh, a tweet from a blue tick and the uh, Twitter handle or the Twitter name is misbehaving but it's spelled as in like miss as in (laughs) M-I-S-S behaving. (laughs) Um, uh, Oh is it someone being cheeky? They're causing lots of trub. Lots lots of trouble. (laughs) Misbehaving. (laughs) Lots of trouble. And they have replied to this blue tick. What's your plan to make Londoners' lives better? What's your plan for the TfL? Train fares, cycle lanes, climate change, etc. Think there's more chance of me getting a date with Channing Tatum than someone like you being the mayor of a very diverse London. Still, even negative attention is good attention in your eyes. Okay, well, my immediate thought was this is Brian Rose, that really unusual candidate. Brian for mayor. But <laughs> I do believe it is actually a response to Sean Bailey's absolutely awful... Um, is that too political? Well, I think it was crass. I think actually a lot of poli- people across the political spectrum viewed it as that. Um, kind of politicising Sarah Everard's murder. I would again it's one of those comments that could apply to that and i do i I agree crass comments from sean bailey there but this doesn't actually pertain to sean bailey the conservative candidate for london mayor this pertains to an independent brian rose no it's not even brian it's someone else (laughs) (laughs) it is lawrence fox who has announced his uh mayoral campaign for his reclaim party the reclaim party yeah. which aims to which one of his 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 main bid Lawrence's main bid is that he wants to lift lockdown like right now mm. but the mayoral elections are in May like there's only be if that's his main bid then lockdown's almost over then anyway like as in like restrictions are almost over then anyway so it's, it's a pretty mm. loose thing to to uh, run is. your entire campaign on but Richard yeah. Tice, who I think is another candidate, who was Brexit Party leader, now Reform. I think he is planning, or there is rumour, in the upcoming Hartlepool by-election after the resignation of the Labour MP there today. And he will be again apparently pitching on anti-lockdown, but by then a lot more people will be vaccinated. Lockdown is actually has broad support. Yeah, These people can't survive without the old... Brexit, can they? I know, it's like the, there's something, it's, it's Brexit, then anti-vaxxing, well no, then anti-lockdown, now anti-vaxxing. There is, there's not much left for these, there is mm. not many issues, or salient de- divisive issues for these people to latch onto. So I really don't know, I've looked into, I've googled extensively Lawrence Fox's manifesto, and there isn't, mm. I can't, I cannot find one. But I can't actually find anything he actually proposes for when he'd become London Mayor, apart from being anti-woke. Anti-woke and planning to lift lockdown. That seems to be his only substantial political statement so far. See, also, 
Count Binface has a manifesto <laughs> for the London Mayor. And as far as I remember, one of them is to rename London Bridge Phoebe Waller. Phoebe Waller-Bridge. I I could get behind that. Yeah. And then another one is like, rejoin the EU. (laughs) I could get behind that too. I guess that that is a bit comical at the moment, really. Um, Yeah. Strange time. It's strange to think there's an election actually coming up. Um, I haven't registered the postal, so I guess I'll be going in person. Um, Are you going to vote in London? For the mayoral elections, yeah. I see, I see. Sorry, this is very off topic, very random. Um, yeah, you'll be telling us who you're going to vote for next. Oh my gosh, it's Camden Face. Actually, it's not. <laughs> just in case anyone believes that. <laughs> I'm not giving away who I'm going to vote for. Oh, well, so you're not voting, or you're not not voting for Camden Face? I'm not not voting for Camden Face. So you could be voting for anyone? Could be voting for anyone, including Lawrence Fox, Camden Face... Sean Bailey, in the interest of... We should name all of them now. Sadiq, <laughs> Sean Berry, is it? Sean Berry, Sadiq Lib Khan. Dem candidate Sean... Yeah, was her name Siobhan? Siobhan, Siobhan Benita. Oh, they always yeah. say, better off with Benita! Better off with Benita! She was quite a good candidate, actually. Anyway. Yeah, she, I think she can... I'm, of course, once Rory Stewart. Rory, sofa for Rory. What was, the, what was the campaign called where he said he'd... Kip, like something like Kip Ferrari. Yeah. Do you know he was going to sleep on a sofa? I can't remember what that campaign was called, but it he launched it just as it was about a year ago, wasn't it? He launched mm. the the Kip on the sofa campaign. Oh, what's the name of the campaign? It had a funny name. I'm sure it did, like Sleep with Rory or something. <laughs> <laughs> Probably not. Kip um, Rory and have kippers for dinner. That'd be quite Rory Stewart. Uh, come Kip with me. There we go. Okay. Come Kip with me. Um, but that launched about a year ago, and he didn't manage to do many because the virus took us in its. How its convenient! Wrath. How convenient! He didn't have to sleep on old Ned's couch down East End, London. Imagine that! I don't think I could go to sleep if I knew he was in the house somewhere. I just think, oh my god, he's here! Oh, he's downstairs. <laughs> the man, the myth, the legend. <laughs> <laughs> he's downstairs. I tell you. Oh yeah, my um. Never guess what, I'm about to go to sleep and that Rory Stewart's downstairs. Yeah. <laughs> I reckon it'd be great for a like a bedtime story in terms of right, you know those you know when you just want to hear about you know when you have those like random conversations with people you haven't planned just before bed mm. and they just go on for ages and it ends up being like a really good conversation. Imagine he'd be good at those. He'd, imagine the stories he'd be able to tell you. That is true. Opium all of it. All of it. Maybe that yeah, that that won't be edited out because that's common knowledge that he smoked hope. I'm sure it is. That seems a bit. It's in his book, right? Different... Is it in his book? It's in one of his books. It's is somewhere. It? I think it's just a common known fact. Maybe that he's like, it did happen. Um, <laughs> well then, Eleanor, we've come to the end of another common people episode. We have, we have come to the end. And let me ask you, who would you in the laundrette? Which of our people from our stories this week, our new stories this week, would you have to have a chat with in the laundrette? I would probably, I would chat to Susanna Reid, who's attached to the Piers Morgan story. And I would just ask, during the period of time when Piers Morgan was with you, how much of your, like relationship with him was like this pantomime relationship because i was really convinced it was fully pantomime and then when he left she sort of seemed to be like oh i was really struggling with everything he said but i thought i thought it was like a pantomime i thought they were both sort of almost like being caricatures so i would pose that question to Susanna. what about you who would you talk to at the laundrette i would bring lawrence fox down to the Hackney laundrette, probably never been to a laundrette in his life. Um, and I would get him to pitch to me why I should vote for him instead of Count Binface mm. as London Mayor as a straight white privileged male. <laughs> I think that's good, and I like how you wrap that up at the end. That was very neat. Why should I vote for him? Excellent. Well,. One day we'll find out. One day we'll be reading the comments of an article about who you voted for. (laughs) Count them, face. And on that note...
Goodbye. See you next week. Bye.